Our first reading for the evening is Matthew 26, 17 to 19. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare, make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me? It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will just go as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine till that day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Third reading, which is John 13, 3 to 17. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter said, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I'm going to invite uh, Viv to come and give us our fourth reading, which is Mark 14, 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. May God add his blessing to the word. I'm going to invite Bev to come and expand on that for us. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus has been intentionally heading to Jerusalem on his ministry through the towns and villages. Luke says in chapter 9, he resolutely set his face to Jerusalem where he knew his fate awaited him. And now he has reached his destination. It was the time of the Passover and Jesus, knowing he was soon going to die, had prepared well for this last precious time he would share with his disciples, his friends. He had sent Peter and John ahead of him to make sure the room that he had already organised was ready and to make preparations for the Passover meal. Now here they all were gathered together in the upper room for this very special time of remembering and celebrating the Passover, the time of the Exodus the time when God saved their ancestors, the ancient Israelite people from the tyranny of the Egyptians, 
through the faithful actions of his servant Moses. When the angel of death came to take all the firstborn, the Israelites were saved because their houses were marked on the doorposts with the blood of the lambs that had been sacrificed. When the angel of death saw the sign of the blood, he passed over that house, hence the Passover celebration. The sign of the blood of the lamb saved the Israelites from death. The disciples did not know it then, but God was again about to act to save his people, and blood again would be the sign, this time the blood of Jesus. Jesus infused the familiar elements of the Passover with new meaning. Jesus is the new sacrificial lamb of God, who in the shedding of his blood and his sacrifice on the cross would save God's people from sin and death. This would be the last Passover meal Jesus shared with them on earth. We wonder if the disciples really knew what lay ahead in the next few hours, even as they sat and lounged on couches and benches around the table in this small dark room lit by oil lamps. They would also have talked and shared about the events of the past week. Only a few days earlier, as they had entered Jerusalem, they had journeyed through crowds of people that had sung the praises of Jesus and waved palms, waved palms in his honour. And a number of us entered into those events last Sunday, Palm Sunday. At the same time, however, as the crowds welcomed Jesus, in other places in the city, other events were brewing, events that would lead to betrayal, violence, and turn the crowd into one that would soon utter ugly cries of crucify instead of Hosanna. As evening came and they gathered at table for the meal, Jesus said those chilling words, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Jesus knew that one of his own, Judas, had gone to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. The disciples were shocked at this, wondering who it was. But the meal continued, with Judas included. As Jesus took the bread and broke it and gave it to them, he said, This is my body. And as he poured out the wine and gave thanks, he said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. In this account in Luke's Gospel and in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Jesus says, Eat this bread and drink this cup in remembrance of me. The disciples would understand after the events of the next day, the day when Jesus' body was broken and his blood shed on the cross, that this was the new covenant. Jesus was the new sacrificial lamb whose life was given to save God's people from sin and death. We continue to remember Jesus in bread and wine every time we come for communion. How important it is that we take the time to fully appreciate the significance of Jesus' sacrifice for each one of us as we remember him in bread and wine, as he asked us to do. I find the words of the Maundy Thursday collect in the prayer book very meaningful. They say, take, consecrate, break and distribute us 
to be for others a means of your grace and vehicles of your eternal love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Such significance in this holy meal that Jesus asked us to remember him every time we partake. Then Jesus says he would drink no more of the wine until the coming of the future kingdom. His fellowship with God's faithful ones through the ages, and that includes us here today, will be consummated in the great messianic banquet to come in the fullness of the kingdom. Jesus then rose from the table and took a towel and began to carefully and lovingly wash their feet. Peter, horrified, objects. The others look on. This was something unexpected, something their master shouldn't be doing. Maybe they were feeling embarrassed and guilty. Usually a slave would come and wash the feet of people as they entered houses. Jesus and his disciples had no slaves, and no disciple had jumped up ready to do the job. In those days in Palestine, the roads were unsurfaced and dirty, dusty and muddy. Their shoes, simple open sandals, were little protection. Their feet were dirty. Jesus took this opportunity to teach them a most important lesson. He turned that menial act into something beautiful and sacramental. This act of humility done in love is what he wants them to remember, what he wants to leave with them. Do you understand what I have done for you, he says. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. No servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To love and serve one another in the name and way of Jesus, these are the things of the kingdom. These are the things he wanted them to remember, wants us to remember and do. When we love and care for one another, it can sometimes be dirty work, not only like washing someone's dirty feet, but getting down in the mess and the grime in the hard times that come upon people and yet being with them and acting in the way of Jesus. There is great love and powerful sacramental touch and feeling as we serve those in need in love. A little further on in John's Gospel, there was another farewell commandment that Jesus gave. Love one another, he said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How had he loved them? Selflessly sacrificially, with compassion, with understanding, with forgiveness. He said, love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He knew all their weaknesses and yet he loved them still. He loved even the one who betrayed him. He loved Judas too. He loved them with eyes wide open. He loved them at their worst and at their best. He loved them with the great love of God and that's how he loves each one of us and calls us to love each other. Jesus gave his friends these three final commandments that night. Eat this bread and drink this cup. Do this in memory of me. As I have washed your feet, so you must wash others. Love one another as I have loved you.
This is why this night is called Maundy Thursday, for Maundy comes from the Latin word mandatum, meaning commandment. Three very special commandments for us to remember always. After the meal, they moved into the garden in the cool of the night. He walked ahead of them to pray, to seek the company of his father, and he prayed with such intensity the tears fell like blood. He was filled with the enormity of the task that lay before him and uttered his human anguish to God, Can you take this from me? And then the answer comes as he knew it would. You must continue. If it must be so, not my will but yours be done, he said. He needed company and comfort, but they were all asleep. They simply couldn't stay awake even one hour. And then after the betrayal by one of his own, they all fled from him. He was left alone with his arresters and accusers, and the last final hours to the cross began. It has been very powerful this evening as we have entered into these events. We too this evening have eaten together an agape meal, a love feast if you like. Our feet have been washed and we will shortly share the bread and wine of communion and remember him as he asked us to do. And then we will leave without ceremony into the night, remembering the flight of the disciples. What was it like for you to have your feet washed? What was it like to wash someone else's feet? Some of us don't like our feet much. We think they're ugly and misshapen and we'd rather they were not seen by others, let alone washed. But there's something holy in the one that kneels before us as they wash our feet. The washing of the feet I have always found to be a sacred moment when we are on holy ground. The washing links us to the sacramental waters of baptism as the water is poured over us. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he made them his. He showed them he loved them. He showed them God loved them. For it truly was God who washed their feet that night and called them to love each other and others by serving them in love and humility, putting the needs of others before self. What a difference it might make to our lives and the lives of others if each action, each task, no matter how simple or menial, is done in that same action of loving service as the simple washing of feet done here tonight and done that holy night so long ago. As we have followed in his footsteps already this night, so at the end of the evening we too will fade into the night as they did. I pray as we go in silence this evening that again the events of that night will impact upon us and we will find something of this journey touching our life in a profound way. May we continue to hear the voice of our Lord encouraging us with those precious commandments. Love one another. Serve one another. Remember me in bread and wine, my body and blood given and shed for you. I finish with part of the Maundy Thursday poem by Malcolm Geat in a little book I have called Word in the Wilderness. Here he shows us the full extent of love to us whose love is always incomplete. In vain we search the heavens high above. The God of love is kneeling at our feet. 
though we betray him, though it is the night, he meets us here and loves us into light. We gather again tomorrow at the foot of the cross. Amen. We're about to have our last reading of the evening, which is Luke 22, 47b to 53. After this reading, we actually depart in silence um, because this is the moment that the disciples uh, scattered and Jesus was arrested. Tomorrow we have um, Good Friday. We'll be in here again at 9 a.m. And I know that some people will... um, be working and, and other things, but as, as much as possible, if you can be here, be here, because uh, I think of the disciples running away and leaving Jesus in his hour of need, and we don't want to be like that. We want to do the opposite, in fact. We want to gather together as his people on Good Friday and remember what he experienced on our behalf and come face to face with what he experienced because of our sin. It can be very uncomfortable, uh, but it's an important part of Holy Week. Uh, So I'd really encourage you uh, to be with us tomorrow for that. And then, of course, the joy and the celebration of Easter Sunday beyond that. So our final reading. The man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion? that you have come with swords and clubs. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns.